Good morning, I'm Allison Michaels from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, January 21st. In today's news, Democrats officially take control of a 50-50 Senate. And QAnon believers grapple with doubt and spin new theories as the Trump era ends. But first, the big idea. President Biden signed a blizzard of executive orders Wednesday on the coronavirus, immigration and climate change. This was the beginning of a 10-day cascade of directives reversing President Trump's policies as Democrats pushed for even more sweeping and prompt legislative action. My colleague Sungmin Kim reports that the most pressing of his priorities are measures to combat the ongoing deadly coronavirus pandemic. Biden signed executive actions to require masks on all federal grounds and asked agencies to extend moratoriums on evictions and on federal student loan payments. He urged Americans to don face coverings for 100 days while reviving a global health unit in the National Security Council to oversee pandemic preparedness and response. Biden also began to reverse several steps taken by former President Trump by embracing the World Health Organization, revoking the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline, and rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement. Biden, who enters the White House during a time of historic crisis, said Wednesday he wants to move quickly to address the country's big, urgent problems with a spirit of unity and national purpose. In his first appearance from the Oval Office, Biden said his administrative actions were, quote, all starting points as he signed a sampling of executive orders. The freshly inaugurated president's rush to roll back some of Trump's most controversial policies reflected the years of pent-up frustration among Democrats that they'd been largely powerless to stop an administration that espoused policies they vehemently opposed. Democrats said acting so quickly was particularly vital as the nation continues to battle a -a once-in-a-century pandemic that continues to kill thousands of Americans a day and batters the fragile economy. Here are the details on some of the steps Biden took Wednesday. Biden asked the Education Department to consider extending a freeze on both interest and principal payments for federal student loans until September 30th. He requested that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, extend a moratorium on evictions that expires after this month through at least March. He also asked three key agencies, the Department of Veterans Affairs, Agriculture and Housing and Urban Development, to extend foreclosure moratoriums for federally backed mortgages through at least the end of March. On immigration, Biden signed an order repealing the ban on travel from several majority Muslim countries, and he nullified the Trump administration's directive that tried to exclude counting non-citizens in the U.S. Census. Another action called on the Department of Homeland Security to continue an Obama-era initiative protecting DREAMers from deportation and issuing them work permits if they qualified. On climate change, Biden signed an order revoking the Trump-era permit that allowed for the construction of the Keystone XL pipeline. And Biden promised to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. The United States will officially be part of the 189-country climate agreement in 30 days. On racial equity issues, Biden rescinded the 1776 commission established by the Trump administration. The outgoing president framed that last year as a pro-American curriculum that celebrates the truth about U.S. history. But the incoming administration says that it tries to erase the racial scars of America's past. Biden plans to continue rolling out executive orders in the coming days. According to guidance shared with Capitol Hill, he plans to issue administrative actions relating to the coronavirus on Thursday and economic relief on Friday. A, quote, by American action will come Monday and an order addressing racial equity issues will follow Tuesday. 
And that's the big idea. Here are two other stories that should be on your radar. Number one. On Wednesday, in addition to the presidency, Democrats claimed control of the Senate. They did so by the thinnest possible margin as Vice President Harris swore in three new Democratic senators. That brought Republicans and Democrats to an even 50-50 split in the chamber. Harris, appearing in her role as Senate president just hours after her inauguration as vice president, will serve as the tiebreaker. That gives her party a one-vote majority, and thus the power to set the agenda in Senate committees and on the Senate floor. The changing of the guard in the Senate took second billing Wednesday to Joe Biden's ascension to the White House. But with Democrats already in control of the House, the transition in the Senate holds enormous implications for Biden's ability to staff executive agencies and for his ability to pass legislation at the dawn of his presidency. The Post's Mike DeBonis reports that Senator Chuck Schumer, the incoming Senate majority leader, has laid out ambitious goals for the opening weeks of the new Senate, balancing the need to confirm Biden's most important nominees with the president's desire to pass another pandemic relief bill at a cost of nearly $2 trillion. Meanwhile, Schumer expects to conduct an impeachment trial for former President Donald Trump, who stands accused of fomenting a mob attack on the U.S. Capitol two weeks ago. Rising for the first time as majority leader, Schumer pledged to, quote, do business differently. And he pledged to take action to combat racial injustice, economic equality, and climate change. But partisan divides remain deep. And it was unclear until late Wednesday whether the Senate would be able to confirm any of Biden's nominees by the end of his first day in office. That's a shift from tradition. Trump won two confirmations on his first day as president, while Barack Obama won six and George W. Bush won seven. After Schumer spoke, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas agreed to lift his objection to Avril Haines. She's Biden's choice to serve as director of national intelligence. The Senate voted to confirm Haines on a vote of 84 to 10. However, four other nominees, Janet Yellen for Treasury Secretary, General Lloyd Austin for Defense Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas for Homeland Security Secretary, and Antony Blinken for Secretary of State, were left waiting amid procedural hurdles and GOP objections. Number two. Followers of the extremist ideology QAnon saw their hopes once again dashed Wednesday as President Trump left Washington on the final day of his presidency. And he left without any of the climactic scenes of violence and salvation that the sprawling set of conspiracy theories had preached for years would come. My colleagues Drew Harwell and Craig Timberg report that as Trump boarded Air Force One for his last presidential flight to Florida, many QAnon adherents began to wonder whether they'd been duped all along. When one QAnon channel on the chat app Telegram posted a new theory that suggested Biden himself was part of the plan, a number of followers shifted into open rebellion, posting things like, quote, this will never happen, it's over, it's sadly, sadly over, and what a fraud. Late Wednesday, the movement suffered another blow when the Q Research Forum on QAnon's online home was wiped clean by a site moderator, who said in a rambling screed that, quote, I'm just performing euthanasia to something I once loved very, very much. Shortly after that, the site's leaders restored the deleted material and demanded the moderator's death. But while some QAnon disciples gave way to doubt, others doubled down on blind belief or strained to see new coded messages in the inauguration day's events. Some followers noted that 17 flags, Q being the 17th letter of the alphabet, flew on the stage as Trump delivered a farewell address. 
over thousands of cryptic posts since 2017, Q, QAnon's unidentified online prophet, had promised that Trump was secretly spearheading a spiritual war against an elite cabal of child-eating Satanists who controlled Washington, Hollywood, and the world. Believers in these false, rambling theories had counted down the hours waiting for Trump to corral his enemies for military tribunals and mass executions in a show of force that they called the storm. But on Wednesday, as reality dawned, QAnon promoters who had gained thousands of online supporters by promising to decode Q's arcane posts and profited off their audience along the way, they scrambled to spin up the truth of Trump's election loss or shift the goalposts of a deadline four years in the making. One QAnon channel on Telegram said, quote, it simply doesn't make sense that we all got played. Graham Brookie, director of the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab, which tracks misinformation, said QAnon followers are making increasingly illogical leaps as they struggle to make sense of these developments. Brookie said, quote, it's something that has long been true of conspiracy theories. When they don't come to fruition, they shift their delusions to the next thing. Researchers said some QAnon supporters appear to be rethinking their commitment. And that's due to a range of factors, including Q's relative silence since the election, Trump's anticlimactic White House exit, and the Capitol insurrection, which resulted in more than 100 arrests and delayed the certification of Biden's victory only by several hours. But many experts fear that the rising intensity of those still committed to QAnon could create real problems for years to come, especially if a diehard militarized core persists in their belief that the U.S. government is controlled by evil pedophiles who have successfully subverted the Constitution. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, January 21st. Just one more thing before I let you go. This is an intense moment in American history. And in times like these, I am so grateful for my colleagues at The Washington Post. Our reporters work around the clock to uncover stories that are shaping our lives and to bring context to the historic events happening around us. Their reporting is what drives this podcast. And truly, it would not be possible without subscriber support. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support the reporting that goes into it, the best way to do this is by subscribing to The Post. A subscription gets you unlimited access to everything we publish, from breaking news to baking tips. For a limited time, listeners can get two years of access for just $59. That's a special offer just for podcast listeners, and it's less than $1 a week. Learn more and subscribe at WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. That's WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. I hope you'll consider it. And thank you so much for listening. I'm Allison Michaels.